I'm Dan Panoshin, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> That was amazing. Okay. We're, we're going to keep that one. Alright, Shining like a diamond. Crazy. Shining bright like a diamond. You're so cute. Pick your arrow. Yep. And stay in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. We needed this. I want to... I wanna, Burn this motherfucker down. Have a okay. have a great episode because this is eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and sixty six, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. It is going to be a great episode because didn't your book? Oh, never mind. Uh, no, I'm David A. Price. Oh, my book did not. No, no, you already say <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> who else we got here? Indeed, you are my my little minions. For I am King Cobra. <laughs> you can take the boy out of the Joe, but you can't take the Joe out of the boy. No, no, King Cobra isn't GI Joe. King what? Cobra is Serpent Society. Oh, that other thing. Yeah. Well, you're you can... a Serpentor. Serpentor. Yes. I, I, I. You guys tease the hell out of me. Not intentionally. I, I understand. But whenever you put up those G.I. Joe figures, the real nice ones, on the Slack, I'm always like, damn, they're really nice. Yeah, the classifies are great figures. They're, they're incredible figures, I mean. I like that Zartan a lot, too, but I just don't want to oh buy... Oh, my God. Right? Yeah, I just Zartan. don't want to buy one damn G.I. Joe figure. It's like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm Joed out. But It's kind of fucked up, though, because they really do prey upon the fact that we're addicts and... And it's not for kids, obviously, because yeah. they came Girl out with the Zartan. Yeah, they came out with the Zartan last year, and we all bought it, even though it didn't change colors. And then, like six months later, like, oh, we figured it out. We're we're giving you a new one with changes colors, and it's deluxe, and it's gonna be thirty five dollars. And we're all like, oh shit! It's so not. It's sixty dollars on a, <laughs> on Zartan. It's not unlike anything that Apple does, my friend. So. Oh no! It's it's it's. Listen, that's the this. One of the greatest things to ever happen to the capitalist world was the idea of subscriptions, right? Right. People subscribe and they forget, or they—it's easier to like we like we have. I'm sure we're not alone here. I, I feel like we have we subscribe to every streaming channel now, yet we still have Directv, and it's like I don't know why, but it's just convenient. And then it's not each of them aren't monthly; like some of them are annual. So you don't even you don't even really see it on the bill because right. it just hits you that one month, and you're like have it for the year, and it's yep. just. Yeah, Scott McCloud was a visionary. Micropayments. That's the first time I've ever uh, heard of that concept was straight out of uh, McCloud's mouth. And he said, that's the future of comics, uh, micropayments. And yeah. if you if you look at Kickstarter, he's right, in a way. Or Panel Syndicate. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, uh, the, the digital comics platform. What's it called? Comixology. Comixology, right? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, you're not King Cobra. This is a long-winded intro, and we're not Seriously. sorry. We're really not sorry. You, you started a while ago. Yeah, you're Jason Wood, everybody, Hello. here together for a special episode because it's the book of the month. That's thank right. You patrons. Yeah, thank you to our patrons for choosing this book. 
Vince is saying thank you in parentheses. Yeah. No. He's got his fingers at his toes crossed. It is democracy in action, and I understand it. You know, most of the patrons are not 56 years old, right? So <laughs> they they just, they, they went with their heart, with their gut, with what they thought was right, and then we just have to run with it because that's the you way. You did yourself dirty. I was just, just going to say that. We, we just, I did. We just have it's, to. <laughs> They they can't all be next wave, right? You know, so it's just it's, yeah, it's true. Why yeah. you got to rub salt in the wound, bro? <laughs> are you are you aware that Felix sold all of the available next wave art to one collector today, and I'm salty about it? Did you? Are you? Was this just How pure much was available? It is apparently quite a bit was available, but not wow. that I ever had a chance to find. You know what? I, I was. You, I'm glad you bring this up because later on, if we have some time, I would love to talk about. The fact that one collector bought close to a hundred pages of Stuart Eminent art. Yeah. That disgusts me on so yeah. many different levels. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I just want to hear your uh, opinion of that and then sure. me, you know, later on, maybe I'll give you mine. But yeah, uh, sure. You're not King Cobra. You're Jason Wood. <laughs> Book of the Month. We, we floated it out there to our beautiful patrons. And if you want to know what this Patreon thing is all about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. Each and every month, with some exceptions, we offer a list of 11 books to our patrons, and they get to choose the subject of the book of the month. DAP has a list of the ones that really didn't make it, and we'll tell you what the winner is after DAP tells you what the runners up were. Yeah, in, in second place, uh, some might say is the one that should have won is Creepy Archives Volume 1, uh, Eerie's Archive Volume 1, Flinch Book 1, Hellblazer, The Haunted Trade Paper Bag, I believe that's Volume 13, Ice Cream Man Volume 1, The Infidel Trade Paper Bag, which I was kind of rooting for, uh, Kill the Minotaur, uh, The Wake, The Witch Doctor Volume 1, and Vampirella archives volume one those were your runners-up has been said horror themed for october if people right think. yeah and uh, and the reason one could win right this is true the, the reason that jason said that uh i did myself dirty was that i also include in addition to including creepy archives volume one i also pressed the guys to throw in eerie archives number one and vampirella archives number one had the latter two not been on the list, I'm pretty sure that Creepy would have won. But I don't want to do the winner dirty because it's a great book. I'm it, glad to hear you say that. It is a great book. Um, and But when compared to Creepy, which is a pinnacle in horror sequential art, featuring some of the all-time greatest artists <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it stings a little, but I, I understand it, right? I, I completely get it. And this is the way democracy works in a free society, <clears throat> right? <laughs> and so the, the winner of our book of the month was da, 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 the silver coin, which is awesome. Yes. Because it is illustrated by Michael Walsh. And 
if I may bury the lead, the best issue is written by Michael Walsh. And company, you have uh, Jeff Lemire, Kelly Thompson, Chip Zdarsky, and who else am I forgetting? Um, uh, oh, Ed what? Brisson. Yes, Ed Brisson. Oh. Yes. So it's a collaborative effort helmed by Michael Walsh. Uh, and I thought it was wonderful, and and we'll get to it very shortly. But um, you got to remember, if you want any of this stuff we talk about on Eleven O'clock Comics, there's only one place to go, where the prices are super low, and that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com gets you the books you want at the price you want to pay. Get a pen and pencil out, whatever you want to do to write this down. You could even tip, 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 tick it into your phone. This is the last time you're going to be hearing these specials because the month is going to roll over and you'll be SOL and you don't want to be because you're not going to get these books at these prices anywhere else. From Vault Comics, brand new series, We Ride Titans, number one, written by Trey Dean with art by Sebastian Piri. And it's a Kaiju versus Mech series, much in the realm of... Uh, Pacific Rim, I'm guessing. Uh, it's a $3.99 cover price book, which is awesome. Standard, right? But you can bring it home for $1.99. Next, but uh, the best, I believe, is The Cult of Icarus, which is a collaborative effort between Jenna Lynn Wright and Carl Slominski, and it's coming from Scout Comics. The cover price, again, $3.99. You can have it for 40% off. That's $2.39. And bringing up the rear, but not in our hearts, from Seven Seas, it's the Common Rider Classic Manga Collection hardcover. Shotaro Ishinomori, the absolute best Japanese action hero, in my opinion, is Common Rider. And this is a whopping 800 plus pages of vintage 70s manga it's it's just amazing i have some of them i'm going to be very very grateful that i can finally read them and uh 32.99 cover price that's what i would expect to pay for 800 pages of manga goodness but uh, in a hardcover no less but you're laughing because you are not going to pay that no way you're going to pay 23 dollars and nine cents that's 30 percent off dcbservice.com the absolute best in the business, go there. Just look at all the stuff you can get for cheap. Stop it. Just go. We'll wait. Mad cheap, yo. True that. I'm drinking. Love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually three-fisting it. I have mm. two Dirt Wolf left from Victory Brewing. And I have, uh, I believe I had this before from uh, Dogfish. This is pumpkin ale with the uh, tremulous pumpkin with the glasses on the front of the label. It's a really neat illustration, and uh, it's pretty awesome. And I'm not one for pumpkin, but this is very good. So there you go. Three. One, two, three beer. Nice. You're, you're bringing the average up because I am drinking iced tea. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dap, what do you want? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, um, 
I decided since it is the book of the month, um, and and fuck it, I deserved it. I went and grabbed the um, the bottle of mixers that I have in the back of uh, of the pantry because I don't want anybody else drinking it. So um, <laughs> I uh, I I grabbed it and and poured myself a nice little glass, threw a splash of soda in it, and uh, once this is done and that big ass cube is gone, I will um, chase it with said soda water uh, and enjoy that for the rest of the night. For those of you trying to visualize that cube of oh, ice, it, it's a—it's literally a board cube. <laughs> it, it, it is. is. You could see seven and nine through one of the windows in the thing, and it's just amazing. It's a giant freaking cube. I, I wave hi to you all the time. I like it. I like it. I, I, I must get a tray of that just to make them giant ass. They should make board cubes for the... I'm pretty sure they... Do. I'm pretty sure there is a Star Trek shop that has it. I know that they have... Um, because they have Death Star molds. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they have a board mold. Maybe that's your Christmas I mean, hell, present. they have an Enterprise pizza cutter. That's the, the, the saucer section is the... That's is the weird, man. I know, I know. I know. It's like, wait, why are you going sideways? What yeah. What are they going through? That, that's, that, that doesn't make sense. It's the Kobayashi Maru. He's cheating. Oh, gosh. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yeah. All right, book of the month. The Silver Coin. Or, if you want to call it, the Dudley Curse. Because, uh, why did you not pay attention? I did, I did. I know where you're going with this. Even though it is a horror-themed anthology, all of the issues take place in different time periods. There is a unifying thread to these five issues, and it is the titular silver coin. Yes. Uh, there are some repeating characters... Um, the Raven shows up in um, Duncan. The Raven shows up in a, in a, in a, a number of issues. But um, if you were uh, very um, patient and uh, attentive to detail, you'll notice that some of the surnames repeat. Not sure I noticed that. Yeah, there. Are, I'm guessing that characters are related. Because I think we should start with the sixth issue. Oh, that's yeah. controversial. Yeah, because the or the the fifth issue, sorry, uh, the covenant issue, because the fifth issue is not only the earliest story in the chain, it lists or it delineates the origin of the damn coin. Yeah. Yep. And and I'm not gonna pussyfoot around with all these high profile writers. Michael Walsh did himself proud because I believe this the fifth issue is by far the best. Uh, uh, I mean, well, you, I stopped short of the by far, but but I I'm not going to say that I didn't think it was a very good, very good, and, pro- and probably the best of the five. If I, but uh, I don't know if I just it's the by far that you, you got me giving pause to. <laughs> okay, I mean, it, it, I just I M O in my opinion. You know, take mm-hmm. it with a grain of salt, uh, but it is the uh, the story of a young lady named Rebecca, and she's very helpful in her village, right? She's a midwife of sorts. Um, she tends to sick animals. She has uh, she's very earthy, um, uh, plant based. Um, 
Uh, I guess I'm trying to couch the fact that she's a witch, um, but she's a witch. And uh, people in in the uh, village come to her for uh, remedies and to help with, you know, as I said, uh, the birthing process and, and other things. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, uh, an asshole rides into town. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name's Cotton Dudley. Uh, you could think about him as uh, just so weird for this era. Someone named Cotton. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, picture Vincent Price in Witchfinder General, and it's pretty dead on, right? He doesn't about look. Three percent of our listeners could pull that reference, and be like, "Oh, okay." But oh, the ones fair. who should have voted for Creepy, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> the ones who are fans of great horror films are the Conqueror right. Worm, right? Um, and and uh, Cotton Dudley runs into town, and he uh, he knows there's witchery afoot, and like a bully, he preys upon those close to his source, not his source him itself. So he uh, manipulates and coerces one of Rebecca's uh, village mates into admitting that she's she does witchery and she you know she she consorts with the devil in in a sense and so poor rebecca is murdered yeah and strung up it's important to say though that that rebecca like this is different than a typical uh witch trial type of thing because she's not practicing witchcraft in secret she's practicing witchcraft she's almost like the town's doctor Right, she's, she's performing good deeds using the witchcraft, and is and is a well accepted. Her witchcraft is a well accepted uh, boon for this little town. Right, uh, it's not like it's not like they're all cowering and 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 aghast at her work. Her work, yes. So, but then they turn on her when he comes up when he shows up. Right, and she's unrepentant. Even when the noose is around her neck and and she's about to lose her life, she is not given it up she she lived the lifestyle she's proud of it and she she's not gonna you know forego uh her beliefs just for the sake of a bloodthirsty mob but but here here's the 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 hook to this series uh cotton dudley gave the woman that spilled the beans on rebecca he paid her off he gave her a, a silver coin uh judas almost literally judas Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, when Rebecca is about to lose her life, she puts a curse on said coin, the silver coin. Um, I, I, I curse that coin. Let it bring you unimaginable horror throughout your existence. Uh, and she loses her life. And the, uh, the, uh, the icing on this cake was I think the goat is a time bomb. Because the goat has some kind of uh, sty on its eye, or he's got maybe cancerous growth or something, and Rebecca uh, lays hands on it and puts a sigil on its forehead and, and tends to it. But the goat transforms, after Rebecca has passed, the goat transforms into this hideous, uh, and not only the goat, um, the, the young lady. Oh, Martha, yeah. Yeah, Martha. Uh, Martha she, seems better days. She turns into this disgusting, pustulant, oozing, racked with sores. Oh, it's it's very disturbing, very disturbing. And 
the uh, the goat dispatches Martha, and Cotton Dudley, not one to waste money, uh, picks up the silver coin. Uh, and things do not end well for uh, <laughs> for Cotton Dudley. I, I would imagine his demise is a very, very horrific way to go, very painful mm-hmm. way to go. I've seen that happen, n- not to the cranium, but I've seen that happen real life to a person, and it breaks bones. Oof, yeah. Because yeah. my uncle owned horses, and I, I saw a, 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 a stable hand just have his leg shattered by a, a horse. Yeah. And it, the man was in, in very, very bad pain. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, Cotton Dudley meets his end for his actions and the coin a great setup the coin falls out of his hand and falls down uh, an uh, an embankment and and a child picks it up uh good thing is this fifth issue is not the end of the series if you look in the previews right now issue eight is solicited so this silver coin is going on this is just the first trade paperback yeah, uh, it's an ongoing series, and it does my heart so good because this book is a throwback. The, the silver coin reminds me of the classic House of Mystery, House of Secrets, mm-hmm. Witching yep. Hour, like the great DC Bronze Age anthologies. But I think what the silver coin has going for it is it doesn't have a horror host. The you know there's no Cain or Abel or uh, any any of the witches, uh, but to its uh, credit it does have threads that trail through each anthology each issue like it may be an anthology all the stories are different but there's commonalities writ large over the course of the five issues and i mm-hmm. think that's a really really great way to do it it's tough to get somebody to buy an anthology right it is and and with that in mind uh i i'm uh, i will ask him i'm i'm not sure of this but i i surmise this which is that the fifth issue, as you noted, is is somewhat of the prequel, the setup of, of explaining the coin. And um, when when this was solicited originally, this was going to be a five issue miniseries. So I suspect this was Michael's plan. Was all right. I'll have some of my writing friends tell, give me some horror anthology stuff, and I'll wrap it up with this idea that's that's ready to go for the impetus for the coin. And then uh, after the first or second issue, demand was and reactions were so strong. That uh, as you just alluded, they 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 changed it into a um, ongoing, which is so cool to see because lords know that generally it's the other way around, right? You know, the series gets announced and it's uh, it's plans for an ongoing, and then sales aren't there, so they they have to curtail it and make it into a, a mini series and wrap it up. So it's nice that to for this to buck the trend. Um, but I suspect that's why the fish that's why the fifth issue is the way it is as the prequel. Yeah. I th- also think that there are symbolic uh, com- commonalities to this series, too, because if you look at the coin, it has the slit of the goat's eye on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's in every issue. And, and I, I, have to, I have to pick a favorite panel. It's the, uh, the goat saying, Judas, and he is the <laughs> blood running from his mouth and nose. He's got what six five eyes it's it's really very disturbing and and mm-hmm. he's, he's got a sh- a broken off horn it's just an amazing and which leads me to the comment that i have never seen michael walsh this good 
I mean, he's good, but this series is like, holy crap. Well, I will say that um, generally, I'm a big fan of Michael's work, and and generally uh, his line work is a little bit uh, looser. Um, it, it seems like uh, he he put a little bit more finish into these pages, um, you know, and I, I don't know if that's if that's because it's something he's really passionate about, or just because he's a little further along in his career. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, he's he's he looks great in this. I mean, I I was getting a little Ba Moon vibes a little bit from it at certain points. Um, and and for me, it was uh, I, I I I got a a, a big um, Norm Breifogel vibe. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I'm with you. I think it looks great. I mean, I, I but with that said, I mean, I'm a fan of his work in, in general, but which is one of the draws for me to this work. But uh, but yeah, I I definitely think he's. Uh, he looks fantastic in this, for sure. Yeah, and uh, to give credit where it's due, Michael was assisted on this issue by uh, Gavin Fullerton um, on the lines, and in the color, Michael was helped out by Tony Marie Griffin. Wow, I I know it, it's it may not it may be anticlimactic to start with what at least I believe is the best issue of the run, but. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I, I think it was pertinent to do so because this is the, the revelation. It, it sets up the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, the, the other cool thing about this is the conceit of when you talk about anthologies, normally when people think of them, I think they think of uh, some kind of thematic idea or, or kernel that is pulled through uh, generally by an editor, a showrunner, but that the creative teams are all different. Or... Sometimes you get anthologies that are uh, written by one person, but they get different people to draw it. Um, it's not too often that the creative, uh, you know, the, the 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 creative constant is the, is the illustrator. And I loved that about this. That this is Michael's project, and and Michael recruited the writers, right? Because you just think of these writers kind of recruiting artists to to bring their ideas to life. I love that Michael had this idea and recruited writers to bring it to life. That's that's fantastic. I think it's a great approach because yeah. uh, again, it it sets a standard for every issue. You, you're not going to get a Greg Land. Or uh, uh, another similar artist on this stuff. You are always going to get high caliber Michael Walsh artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the story may not do. I'm not saying in this series, but in in, in anthologies, it usually um, it's a crapshoot, right? Because you may have a great well, writer teamed with yeah. not so great artists, and vice versa. But in this series, you have a great artist on every issue. So yeah. half the battles won, in my opinion. Yeah, the 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 singular visual aspect of it, um, it, it it looks amazing and it and, and it plays real well here. And it's it is a nice switch because normally you'll have a writer who works with a bunch of different artists, or most anthologies that we all know and love have just different creative teams for each story. Whereas this is this is it's all Michael's line for 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 the most part, and and yeah, and then he just taps his friends to to tell the stories based on on the conceit but um the, the fifth issue is i mean it, it's the grossest one as far as the way things look between um between martha and and greta and um but yeah i mean I, I, after thinking about it and, and and thinking about the other four stories here i i'm i'm going to have to 
agree with Vince as far as it. it, it I'm not saying it's the best. I, it, it's it's my favorite story. I, I dug Jeff's story because it is that futuristic sci-fi tech-filled kind of tale, which is the one. And this isn't meant. I don't want this to sound like it's a knock. It's the one that seems to, to that feels the most out of place to me. Um, but it's it's a neat story, and it and and I. I had to check the credits in the front again because I, I, I was looking for the Jeff written story and I was like, that that's the one he wrote. And it's, it's a cool story. It just seemed for me out, out of place compared to everything else, which were kind of, well, obviously from the past, but even from before today, um, the, the other stories all, all take place. But no, I, I think this was, Go ahead, Vince. Issue five is is probably the most traditional of of the quintet in in terms of uh, playing to the strengths of a horror anthology. It's set in one of the uh, history's most creatively robust periods. Like if you can't make a religious zealot work um, hunting witches, like you're just not trying hard enough, right? I mean, right. All, the right. story almost writes itself. Uh, and and if if you lay out all five issues, there are some that play towards the traditional horror tropes. Uh, I I didn't like Jeff Lemire's issue very much. I loved okay. the I thought the art was great. I, I wasn't really feeling the story all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't a bad issue, but when juxtaposed against issue one and issue five, it's like okay, this yeah. is definitely the runt of the litter. And it yeah, was surprising yeah. because it was Lemire, right? It, I mean, if if you ranked all the writers that contributed to this thing, I think Lemire would be the top on the list in terms of uh, accolades and creative, you know, just the the bulk of his success, right? Everything's well-written. Everything's captivating. This issue was not captivating to me. Michael's art, yes, but the story, eh, not so much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I have to be honest, right? I, I, yeah, I always yeah. struggle with these. Um, I'm going to try and keep my opinions uh, to myself, but I always struggle with these religious zealots who go on their crusades for the Lord and they try and eliminate the taint of witchery and black magic. And he, there's a point in the issue where Cotton Dudley has the coin in his hand and he said, "The Lord works in mysterious ways," right? Show me the difference between Rebecca and you. Uh, uh, there is one difference. She's not persecuting people for beliefs other than her own, whereas that's your stock and trade, right? So they both believe in this thing that that can't be quantified. It can't be delineated. It's this mysterious other that they use to guide their life and their actions. She does it in a benign way in a helpful way and he does it in oddly enough and ironically he does it in a very bloodthirsty and i would call it evil way because you're using your 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 big sky daddy to kill people you've you've been given a mandate by this thing to to destroy life in in uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for to destroy these lives for the sake of your 
God. You're going to purge the evil from the land because that's how God would want it. Like that just, it doesn't that fry you when you have characters like this that are in a sense every bit the same as the thing they're persecuting with the one difference being they're on a crusade and the thing they're persecuting is not. They just mm-hmm. want to live their damn lives. Bugs yeah. the hell well, out. Well, this is a, you're, you're about to pull me into the uh, realm of, <laughs> of, of, of uh, you know. Yeah, well, if you don't think it's calculated, you don't know me. Right. So be that as it may, I, I, I find characters like this extremely compelling because they're the ones I love to hate. And uh, when you feature them in a story, you've you've won that part of me over because I'm compelled to to witness their demise. I need to see it, and this was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the uh, I won't reveal the 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 uh, his comeuppance, but uh, he receives a wound to the head, mm-hmm. and that's very poetic. Because mm-hmm. his his head's all messed up, <laughs> both literally and figuratively. Yeah. All right. So should we start at the start? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's fine that you gave the prequel first, but then and then the other four. To your point, are different periods of time, and their sure. stories basically they're horror stories where the the the, the coin um, fucks things up. It is, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is like a play on on the. This is one of the many stories that have been told a million times, uh, and it's just about the execution, which is this idea of, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? The genie in the bottle granting your wishes, yep. and then it's like, but but do you really want what you wanted? Are you sure you wanted what you wanted? Because if they, you know, and that's what these are really about, the twisting of, of, of what you think you want into uh, something far, far night, more, worse and nightmarish and such that you wish you hadn't wished for it. Right. But if you notice... The coin doesn't fuck things up, at least not on its own. It, the coin's like a vampire, right? You have to grant it access to your home. You have to, yes, please enter. Like, you have to give it permission to do what it does. It's not this pestilent uh, thing on its own that's just ruining the, the, an ending, the lives of all these people, they welcome the coin. Once they see what the coin can do, they're like, hell yeah, I want this. Right. Get, bring it to right. me. So it's, it's, I mean, yeah, the coin is, has a little bit of that dark juju to it, uh, more than a little. Uh, but the, the people that use the coin or exploit the power of the coin, they want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a neat conceit. Uh, it, it's just not this self-aware animated thing that's just existing to ruin people's lives it's cursed but you have to open yourself to the curse i like that because it 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 allows the characters a little bit of free will there's someone who could just say and i would love to see this issue witness the power of the coin and just walk away from it yeah yeah that would be neat to see that so issue one uh is set in my favorite decade the 70s uh, specifically 1978 and you got a band it is man 70s were oh good golly uh you got a band and (laughs) and the 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 band is uh named running red members of which there are three they're a power trio i love power trios (laughs) ryan is the guitarist ashley's the drummer a lady and joe plays bass and it's so if you Take note of the the uh, 
the time, it's 1978, when a lot of high-profile recording artists that uh, heretofore were dabbling, well, rock and roll was their stock and trade, became very, very scared of disco. The popularity of disco almost ruined the careers of a lot of very high-profile acts. The, the Stones made it work with uh, some girls, right? Rod Stewart, not so much. Uh, and, and there was a bunch of bands that uh, kiss. <laughs> That's the poster child for fucking up your career with disco, right? Dynasty was there. All right. Maybe this stuff's not going to go away. We'll, we'll, we'll dabble in it a bit. And they lost a boatload of fans because of it. But, uh, I digress. So, uh, tra- traditional rock and roll acts, uh, the industry was swaying towards disco thanks to Saturday Night Fever and the Bee Gees. And, th- these these bands were were shaken in their boots uh and uh, this this running red band would play a little dive bar and the owner and they didn't attract very much of a following because people wanted to dance they wanted to light up floors and the the travolta moves and all that shit and the owner of the bar is like you know you guys maybe you should try something different you know like do some disco stuff and get some people in here and it'll be really great and ryan's like fuck that i'm not doing disco rock and roll man that's my life it's in my blood i can't play this disco shit uh behind the scenes ryan's mother and father split right and dad threw all mom stuff in boxes and uh, Ryan, you know, the coin falls into his hand, let's just say, in a manner of speaking. And it, it grants him uh, infernal riffage, I guess you could put it. Uh, yeah. His uh, his guitar playing shreds. magnifies exponentially. Uh, and the band acquires a following, a, a relatively large following. And Ryan kind of fucks both his band members over to play in a disco band and the coin does its work and ryan literally shreds i mean his fingers are are being shorn uh from strumming uh, the uh the guitar strings uh, and he plays himself uh, into an inferno really right yeah, yeah. I mean, he just—he's uh, playing so frantic and so fast, and uh, somebody drops a cigarette. Yep. And the place goes up, and he plays his, his way to hell. They all burn to a crisp. Yep. And the place burns down, and in the typical O. Henry kind of fashion, uh, I don't know if you could say that. No, in a, in a typical open-ended fashion, um, Ryan still has the coin in his hand, which is retrieved by a fireman. And so the the coin lives on. But the neat thing, I mean, this is pretty standard Tales from the Crypt story, right? Uh, Which is not a bad thing. I thought it was great. But I could see this as an episode of of, uh, one of the better episodes of Tales from the Crypt. The -hmm. thing that gets me is Dad knows what's up with the coin. Dad has had experience with that coin. Well, yeah, because it's implied that his mom, his ex-wife, ex-wife. had had some issues with the coin yeah yeah we don't know what we don't know but but certainly it it fucked things up and that's why the coin was hidden up in the attic so i i need to see what was up with that so michael yeah yeah, i i'm I'm guessing we'll we'll find out about uh 
the ex-wife Ryan, Ryan's mom down the line in a, in a future issue. But yeah. I mean, the point I was trying to making about the make about the coin is Ryan's an asshole when the story starts, and he continues oh, yeah. to be yeah. an asshole through the whole yep. issue. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. there's yeah. there's You're no the epiphany to make it big. You're no, like, right? He's a dick. And and Ashley's the most likable character. All she wants to do is play. She's yeah. like, we're, we're buddies, man. We're, we're This is what we do. Who cares if we stay in the same bar for the rest of our lives? We're having fun. We're, we're you know we're getting some money, but we're not living high on the hog. But this is fun. It's us, man. And uh, sorry for that. But and he's Ryan's not having it. He he has aspirations for greatness, and he yeah. casts away his friends for the sake of his own skin and. You know uh, that bites him on the ass. It, it's 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 insane that everybody in the, in in the bar was so. Even though people are being burned all around them, they can't. There, there's no like the firefighters say. There's there nobody ran for the doors. Nobody tried to get out. Nobody was scratching at the doors. Nothing was barricaded. They just they were there in the moment. Ryan had them captivated. The the coin had a spell over not just Ryan to some degree, but it was, it's, it's, it's crazy. And what, and, and it's a great white. It, <laughs> damn. Sorry. Uh, that is fucked up, bro. <laughs> that is so wrong. Uh, pour some out, but we have, yep. um, uh, but what's, what, what I, what I dug about this is that the, the not to jump ahead, but the next story, like we don't, we don't find out about uh, old uh, Sticky Fingers, um, the Mister Fire Sale. Uh, we don't see him again until the third issue, and and only that's for a panel or and a half because he don't make it far. But I, I just I I really dug. See now, it, if we ever do get to talk to Michael about this, I'm curious to know if if he says, "Listen, it's a silver coin." And the writers come up with an idea to somehow connect it, or if if Michael throws them a plot and they they work around it. If Michael's like, yeah, I feel like drawing, you know, late seventies guitar player, and Zdarsky's like, okay, I got the perfect story. Or I'm just, I just, I really would like. This is one situation where I really would like to know what the give and take is between the writer and the artist. But um, my understanding is that Michael just gives them a prompt about the silver coin and says, "What can do you give me an idea?" Okay, like he didn't put limits on them in terms of That's setting. Cool. That makes sense. Know, well, yeah, I think I think with the Jeff story, we kind of get the idea that there yeah. there really are no limits. But, uh, but there, it's not. It's obviously with the fifth issue going back in in time to the beginning. But you know, th- like there's, there's nothing... a term I can't think of it. I know that uh, McDade did it. Like there's a term for those stories that 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 uh, you know go from one person to the other. Exquisite uh, corpse. Yes, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's the, the what he was going for with this. Um, but I like I like how it's not linear. Like it's just the coin is is the coin's the star. That that that's the whole point of this. So so just because whoever's attached to the coin at the end of an issue doesn't mean you're going to find out about that person. With the next issue, you may never, or you may wait a couple months. And and like Vince said, with with you know recurring names or or uh, appearances. Um, yeah, you know, it's which which I thought was just I thought that was a nifty approach for uh for the series. Yeah. Yep. And I'm guessing that Michael um offers like if you know if there's anything you saw 
in previous issues that you want to flesh right. out, like have at it. That that would be great. Uh, and I'm sure I'm sure he offers that. Now, issue two, which was written by Kelly Thompson. Yes. This is my feel Former good. Guest of the show. Yes, it's my feel good uplifting issue. I love this issue. Yeah, th- this is my favorite issue uh, of. of yeah, we of keep saying it, it is. No, it really is. Yeah, I mean, because because this is is pure '80s horror. Yep. Uh, and I'm I'm in that mode as you guys know. I, I've been watching, trying to watch like a horror movie a day. I mean, some days I'm been be able to, but but I've watched a, a crap ton of horror movies this month. Um, uh, and and I you know I am a child of the '80s, so I I, I appreciate a good slasher flick. I, yeah, I, I'm here for it. Issue two is Sleepaway Camp without the dick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's called Girls of Summer, and again, written by Kelly Thompson. It is the story of a young lady named Fiona Waterman. She goes by the nickname Pickle. Uh, Fee- or Pickle loves horror movies. and She's very tomboyish uh, and uh, finds herself at one point going away to camp. She's none too happy. She's not happy about it. No, she, of course it's not. It's a bunch of lame squares, and she's not feeling yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, she's rough and tumble to an extent, but when she gets to camp, uh, she's not welcomed with open arms, especially there. Right. Especially since uh, she is taking the place of one of their friends who couldn't make it to camp. Like the the girls in the cabin were expecting someone to come, someone with whom they were familiar and in walks Pickle. And, uh, you know, the counselor's like, oh, you know, Pickle's going to be taking the the, uh, the spot you thought, you know, your friend was going to occupy. So, you know, live with it. And uh, there's really no way of, to, to say it. They They brutalize pickle they harass yeah. her they they cut her they they uh ex- shoot arrows at her they right capsize, they, her, her, capsize her canoe they expose her to verbal and physical abuse like they yeah. put her through the ringer and pickle finds an infernal altar that just so happens to have a big ass machete with the silver coin <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and she takes both and runs through these kids like butter, and there's no pussyfooting about it. One one of the girls gets the machete to the back of the head, comes out of her mouth. Like Jason said, textbook 80s slasher films. Yeah, right. There's a beheading. There's yeah. A, yeah, it's just there's someone hanging upside down with arrows. It's yeah, it's it's you know it's it's nothing you wouldn't see in any you know Friday right. 13th or Halloween or whatever and the one girl that was all about the looks and the glamour and oh I can't do that because it's beneath me is she pickle literally shears her face off and wears it yeah leather face style towards the end of the issue like again textbook um but the reason why I love this issue so much is that you have a- an abused person um enacting their revenge against their abusers there's nothing yeah. wrong with that you know i mean yeah well she does well, chop them up and murder them yeah <laughs> but in a fantasy realm who doesn't like to see this right yep and and it like after she wipes everybody out she she has like a, somehow it's whatever madness haze she was in she comes out of it and she look you know she she's consumed with regret and She's, you know, on the ground kneeling, screaming, realizing what she's done, and 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 uh, not coincidentally, the coin, you know, rolls away, falls out of her hand, and rolls away. Maybe under its own power. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Self, and it goes onto a, lo- a floating log in a river and just starts floating down the river. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I could necessarily call the, the decision she made bad. Um, well, I mean, I just, she, she, she murdered a half a dozen people in cold blood. I don't know if uh, that's ever... I don't know if that's... Uh, she won, though. She won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> well, not. I, I mean, she's I'm, probably going to spend the rest of her life in an insane asylum. Oh, sure, or in, or or uh, be uh, put to death, right? But yeah. uh, she won, right? <laughs> she got she got rid of her bullies. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. I, I'm not. I am not mad at the at at the uh, the outcome of this. I'm, no. I'm rooting for her. It's it's they got what they deserved. Yes, it's it's. I I feel bad for her because she's. I mean, if. It's one of those situations where you could could other could, could this have been resolved other ways, of course. But listen, man, they they fucking actions have consequences. They got what they fucking deserve. They but pushed in, her to this, so right? In I'm, this I'm, I'm universe, not... in this fantasy setting, where it's a pastiche of eighties horror flicks, this is the perfect book. Of yeah. course, the the innocent would become somehow corrupted by I don't know if we should call it evil, but this this outside force and enact her vengeance on her oppressors like this is perfect it, it in the real world you would be shocked and uh, aghast at these actions and we would all condemn pickle but this is not the real world this is complete fantasy where mm-hmm. we we want to see this i want to see pickle graphically dismember her her abusers like this is fun uh, it's it's probably visually the the um the most appealing issue to me. This is not. I mean, this is a more extreme version of Bruce Banner, right? Where <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's just this. How do you like me now? Now I'm strong. Now you're going to pay for what you do. You weren't thinking about my feelings when you're cutting my hair, cutting my face, you know, uh, abusing me on, on a bunch of different levels. But now, you know, here's your comeuppance. All, all your actions, you have to pay the price for them now. Right. And it's just complete fantasy. I love this issue. Again, would make a great Tales from the Crypt. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Jason, you want to take issue three? Uh, of course you'd ask me to take my least favorite of the... Of wow. The- uh, again, I, I knew. So. Oh, you did? Did you? Yeah. Who wants to hear you gush about something? I want to hear you struggle Wait, through... Wait, what? Mm. Yeah, I want to hear yeah, you struggle. You just gushed over three issues. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, uh, well, I will say that, uh, that the third issue, which is called Death Rattle... Um, Overall, was probably my least favorite, but I did enjoy it enough in the sense that it, it set forth some, uh, especially because it does come before the fifth the fifth issue prequel. It, it does set up some uh, additional um, narrative around the coin and its legacy. You know, like it's it it kind of does reinforce that the coin is uh, that there's a dark side to it, and and that also uh, those who who take advantage of the coin and, and get caught up in it off have a have a potentially a, a, a steep price to pay for all eternity it seems or at least you know in at least for in as much as uh, our world will exist and basically um the day before uh, is it is it the 19th or the 18th the 18th right the 18th december 18th yes. 1986 day, day before my birthday um uh, a trio of ne'er-do-wells a, a woman and two men are uh in a home and um 
you know, they uh, they take Homeboy out, basically. Uh, they're trying to rob him, and he's he's on the ground, presumably dead. Uh, they claim fu- it was a heart attack. They didn't yeah, no, I know. Oh, I sure. Know, but- yeah, but uh, but yeah, they they were robbing him, and um and and in 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 a nice bit of of continuity, as they're uh, surveying the spot, they're holding up a retirement placard with uh, of a fireman, which is to your point, in the, more than likely, I think we're supposed to glean that uh, this is probably the fireman that grabbed it the is. coin. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and the woman is uh, whose name Lisa is is getting uh, hearing voices throughout all this uh these kind of long groaning voice telling her things like uh you know um basically this this doesn't belong to you and and so forth and so on so they do what they got to do and they they want to get the fuck out of dodge because they didn't intend to kill the old man they just wanted to rob him and uh they uh they they pull a little bit of arson. They pour gasoline and they light the place on fire to try and cover their tracks. Yeah, we didn't and, mean uh, to do it, but let's burn the place down just. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, it so happened to have a can of tank of and all that. Um, and and they they uh, they make away with it with uh, their haul and um, you know, and they're like all proud of themselves and they're like, oh, you gotta love the irony of a retired firefighter accidentally setting his house on fire. Ha ha. Um, but the popo or or uh, you know onto them and are chasing them and uh as they're as they're trying to get away from the cops uh lisa is uh looking at the coin and the uh the mysterious coins eye opens and we see the green goat eye and uh and she's like suddenly i know how to lose them you know take a left and she's she's giving them directions and um and then as 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 they're kind of trying to get away she apologizes they don't know for what and a giant black raven uh, appears right in front of the car, uh, causing the driver to uh, careen out of control on a snowy road and flips over. And they, you know, the, the car is totaled. They land upside down. And uh, this is a this is an '80s, so we're not talking. Uh, these cars didn't have roll cages, and uh, they're all fucked up. You know, the, the two guys are basically all bloody and, and and stuck in the car. And Lisa gets out and. Um, and and she's hearing voices telling her to bring it to her, bring it to me, you know, bring me the coin. So uh, Lisa pulls a nasty little bit of of of, uh, of business. She pulls a glass shard that had stuck in her arm during the accident out of her arm, and uh, then she proceeds to uh, cut cut the driver's neck with it, and uh, you know takes it, finishes them off. And walks off into the woods, uh, apologizing as the cops are arriving to the scene, and they're they're looking for her, chasing after her, and she's running away. And as she's running away through the woods, um, she's hearing the same voice saying, "Oh, they don't worry, they can't come into the woods, they can't trespass any further. You're safe." Uh, and these these shadowy, almost like wraith witch like figures are uh, are starting to surround her. Um, without really any explanation and um and the cops are not giving up the fight they're still looking for her and so she manages to uh get the get the sneak up on on them and she actually takes out the cops uh one with a rock one the raven um gets in 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 and intervenes and keeps the cop from shooting her and then she uh she she bites the other one like a vampire she rips rips his throat out uh, and is just standing there chewing on his throat, <laughs> and, and, and she's and the, the voice that's speaking to her is just cheering her on like a cheerleader, saying "Great job, yes, dude." You know, he'll be so pleased. And uh, uh, 
So she she continues her walk about through the woods with bloody face and, and still chewing on the dude's neck and comes to a house. And this house looks mysteriously like both <laughs> the the witch's cabin from Chapter 5 uh, and the uh, the cabin from the camp. Uh, mysteriously. Uh, almost identical. Door opens up. It's bright light. And she says, I've returned the coin. And uh, the voice says, yes, child, you did well in a... a uh, a, a creepy hand reaches out and grabs the coin and a bright light. And, uh, and, and what's interesting is, is standing in, in the, in the, the light is, is a person that looks just like cotton. It is Got the hat on. Yeah. yeah, no. All right. But we don't know who cotton is at the time. And we're reading this the first time. Right. And, and as soon as, as soon as cotton, uh, as soon as this figure grabs the coin from her, snaps his fingers and she bursts into flame and she burns into a husk and suddenly you realize that the burnt husk that she is burnt into is is one of these creatures that are also floating through woods. So she's one of many, many, many uh, women uh, who have presumably been caught up by the coin and have delivered it back to uh, Cotton's hands over over the hundreds of years and are now uh, now are his minions and, and haunting these woods. And that's how it ends. Now, and see, this issue raises questions, though. Like? I, I mean, it, not at the time... I read it, but in light of issue five. So Rebecca cursed Cotton Dudley, right? Yeah. I wonder if her intent was just to be a plague on his bloodline, not to elevate him to this infernal emissary of... uh, Like, he's a supernatural force in this book. And he is instrumental in corrupting or uh influencing the actions of people may or may not be of his bloodline right Mm -hmm. so i don't think rebecca was that malicious where she said all right i want to inflict harm on people unassociated with you i think she the the intent in the fifth issue was to curse the dudley bloodline but he seems to have made lemonade where he is now this autonomous force of of nastiness that's op- right. you know operating uh, taking what the 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 curse that has befallen him and he's using it on other people so i don't think having seen issue 5 and the character of rebecca i don't think that was her intent to do that i i, I don't know i because i'm i had i I didn't have a similar question, but I had other questions after reading the fifth issue. Um, it's well, so and 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 it, if if it was hinted at in the second issue, it became abundantly clear in the third that as soon as the person, as soon as the wielder of the coin relinquishes it, they lose all sense of what the hell they just did. Yeah, uh, not knowing that they did, and 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 it's. It's just a huge waste space. But um, one of my questions was whether or not, because because Cotton had a whole bag of coins. So I had to go back and read the fifth issue because he, he had the whole bag of coins. The horse kicks him. The coins go flying about. But when I read Rebecca's curse, she's looking at Martha. I see you, and then friend in quotes, and the coin that brought you, and I curse it. So she's only cursing the coin. So I was trying to figure out if if other people over the years have picked up the other coins. If she cursed the coin 
this one particular coin or if just just this particular minting this coin this version of this coin whatever however many cotton may have had but that that brand of coin if that's what she cursed but i think because no, that think one coin one. is what right because that the, the little boy finds it at the end of the fifth issue and it seems to be where we go from there but um but it has the goat eye which is very specific to her right, situation right, is, right because because yeah. the goat of course bites martha and then she just continued but when when uh when cotton falls in the woods rebecca's ghost visage comes to him and and she says you know you who butchered so many women now the curse needs to feed so i don't i i didn't really take that to mean that he was cursed just that the curse is going to do what it will with him and obviously yes in the third issue we see his silhouette so um he's still exist if you want to call it that so i it's it's weird i i definitely take what you're saying if it's but i don't know if um he just may be like the i i right now he just seems to be like the lantern bearer he's he's just he just happens to be the the personification of um this this evil this curse whereas i don't i don't think unless something else happens that i i don't necessarily think that he is pulling any strings or the even though yes they do return they return to the cabin he takes the coin uh it all does kind of make sense kind of talk myself into it but i don't i i'm still thinking based on the fifth issue that um he's still being punished he's not take advantage of the situation to try to make himself a winner in the situation hmm I don't think I agree with any of that. No, that's fine. And that's, you know, listen. Because and, and, what would her I'm, goal be in inflicting harm on people not associated with her or him? Like, yeah, she just said, you have inflicted harm on a lot of freaking women. Why would she want to perpetuate that and see innocents come to harm? By, you know, it just it doesn't make sense in, in the terms of the big picture. She doesn't seem malicious at all. No, you're right. Only yeah, to him. Right. I'm thinking there there has to be a way that he wiggled out of of death and and. But it's not just women that because because Ryan in the first story. Oh right? sure, just, no, right. So, but it's it's it, these are so in the second and third issue and and in in the fourth the, yes most of them the the bulk of the story then the bulk of the first trade it's women who come across it's females who come across the coin. And then it takes advantage of them, and they, whatever their the, the revenge fantasies are, it, it it comes to life. But yeah, it's it's um, yeah, I think the first story's kind of throwing me. Off. I don't know. It's I, well, I, well, I'm just looking. The impetus for the curse was to fuck up his being, right? This is right. what you did. Now you got to deal with this. Uh, but I, I'm just wondering how he went from dead <laughs> to manifesting to Lisa in this. Like, there has to be another piece of this puzzle that we haven't seen yet. You just don't die, and now you're the bearer of this this silver coin. Like, there's a there's a slot that needs to be filled with the the middle part. Like, I it just doesn't it doesn't track how he could just 
and his life just ends and all of a sudden he's this spectral goofy hat wear and emissary yeah. of the coin right Fuck, yeah we'll see huh. i'm i mean jury's still out there's more issues to come so that's true yeah i'm sure they'll flesh it out or not or what? <laughs> 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 right or we'll be waiting but um jeff lemire uh does issue number four he writes yeah. the story it's called 2467 yeah, and and it's it's um it's a story, right? Um, but there's there's an officer Dudley. That's what I'm saying, right? His name, yeah. Young young lady named Braggy, who is being pursued by Dudley. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, they're outside Mega City One, and it's. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> it, it is. I mean, there's there's a little bit. If if you're into, um, you know, mutant cyborgs and and the whole uplinks and and tech and, uh, I mean, some of the things even remind me of you know the, the Grendel in the future with with the inspector Inspector Wiggins. I mean, there's just there are things here that, um, it's it's like I if I was if I was Michael Walsh and I'm like, listen, I I'm, I'm taking all my favorite things of like futuristic stories and, and I'm just going to draw them in a story. Um, in, in one story, then, then that's, this is kind of, I'm looking at this and I'm, it's almost like page after page of, of, of homages, which is really cool, but it, it's, but because it is, it does take place in the future. It just, like I said earlier, it, it it it's the one story that feels most out of place in this collection. Yeah, well, Braggy's not a, a um, an upstanding character. I mean, she's a thief, right? Yeah. Uh, so, y- 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 my my sympathies do not lie, you know, with her. Uh, more so towards um, Officer Dudley, right? Yeah, Colton yeah. Dudley, which sounds like Cotton Dudley. Uh, so I mean, it's it's just a little cat and mouse thing where uh, she 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 hacks into uh, a man's uh, account through the eye, which is really cool. And yeah, the eye worms were a nice touch. I liked it. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Um, and he pursues her from a distance. Uh, he's manipulating tech, uh, Tony Stark style, with the floating mon with the the uh, the. Um, projected monitors and he's you know tapping in the air like tony stark and he's getting everything done and he's pursuing her whether it's with drones or other assorted things and uh, uh, dudley the raven is in it again mm-hmm. and leads her to the coin and and once she gets the coin the, the, you know the tide turns a little bit and she's able to uh dispatch all of uh dudley's assaults and then she makes her way to him and rips off his his uh oculus rift and <laughs> and he goes down uh, but this issue is uh, another anomaly where it doesn't have the uh the disastrous outcome as, as like the other ones right uh, yeah um, the, 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 basically the connection aside from the coin is like the cabin and there's yeah but there isn't it's not so revenge filled as the right well i guess the fact that the 
the coin, in a sense, is dispersed like a virus, that may not have a happy ending, right? Because at the yeah. end, you get the, the prompt virus detected, virus detected, yeah. you know what I mean? So, And and it looks like, like from the third issue, surrounding Braggy are residual spirits. Yeah, probably ones that were tainted by the coin. Right. Yeah. Or had some kind of involvement with the coin. The you know, we could have that could be Lisa and Pickle, who knows? Yeah. Right? It's neat. Um a little bit of maybe they want to keep it vague for now, but a little bit of uh telltale sign that it was either, you know, Ryan or Lisa or Pickle would have been neat, but it it's not necessary at this point. Because I'm sure all the secrets are going to be unveiled by the time this thing comes to its conclusion. But just like, oh, oh, shit, I know what, you know what I mean? Like, just just some some kind of a telltale sign that there's something bigger going on with these spectral things. I mean, it's not a detriment. No. It works. Yeah. The fact that we're asking questions uh, is probably what they wanted. Right? I think so. Yeah, so five issues. Um, I, I mean, the Lemire issue wasn't a deal breaker. No, it's not, it, it, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's good. It's not bad. It's just it's it's the odd duck out of yeah, definitely, of yeah, yeah. A very very worthwhile read. And the the thing that has me almost giddy is that we're getting more of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm and hoping. Know, you know, we 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 gave it shit. Early on, we, we we were joking about it, but I mean, had had the patrons not picked this, I don't know if I when I would have gotten around to reading it. So I appreciate that. I'm glad it won. I'm glad I got to read it. Um, so it's it's definitely a win in that column. A little bit of uh, revelation when um, I saw this series was coming out, I didn't in- initially jump on, but the fact that Lemire wrote one, oh. I, I read the Lemire issue first. There you go. And uh, decided not to go back to it. <laughs> but the, the, the fact that it, be, it was the book of the month and I had to read it was actually a boon to myself because it revealed the wonders of this series. Um, if I left it up to the Lemire issue, like I said, I, I probably wouldn't have read any more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great. Big See? giant facts. Happiness. And if Jeff is listening, like I'm not shitting on you. I just, <laughs> I uh, to be Why honest, on him, dude? Oh, to be honest, I expected more. He's hate. Yeah, he's he's Jeff freaking Lemire. I expected more from. Him. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. So if you would like to participate in this book of the month thing, all you got to do is go to our Patreon site, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Eleven O'clock Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick your tier level or whatever, and. It, should you will be granted access to the book of the month Indeed. voting yeah and it's super easy you just click on something and that's your vote you can change your vote um but you can't vote for multiple things which is the way democracy <laughs> works yes no. yeah not usually yeah sometimes it happens but whatever uh yeah so if you decide if if there was one book in the list that you haven't read and you managed to read it before the book of the month poll closes and you said oh that was great i want to hear you know the the stooges talk about it you can change your vote the stooges (laughs) so there you go 
Check it out. Won't it is. Yeah. I, it's Halloween, my friends. It is. Yep. Well, it's not yet, but it's it will be. I mean, by the, this weekend it is. Right. And and um I I think we all have some horror related books in our list, don't we? I know uh, I know Jason does. I mean, I I certainly do. I I I don't know if you two do. I guess I mean, one, you always do, I feel like. So Yes, yeah, this yeah. is so this is over for you for for that um, case, but. I I I read a little bit. I it's not on here cuz I didn't finish it, but I mean, I did read um a bit of uh of the creepy archives but i'm not i'm not the one for for the horror so i want to hear you guys talk about it since we're approaching halloween so what you guys got oh i didn't revisit it but i mean jason oh i know no no i'm just saying in general whatever you have horror related i mean now that you mention it most of the things on my list are are horror tangential for sure right i i had to look at my list to see what it was uh was on there um well i will say that uh I read two number ones this week that were uh, number ones of spinoffs yeah. of other series that I've been enjoying quite a bit, um, and they both are certainly uh, horror—you uh, know, horror in a way, um, at least horror, horror tinged. Uh, there's Nita Hall's Nightmare Blog number one which is uh, from the same team that uh, has been bringing us Philadelphia, which I talked about lovingly a week or two ago. Uh, and then there is House of Slaughter number one, which is uh, which is a spinoff of uh, something is killing the children. And um, certainly a horror book for sure. Um, I thought that they were both excellent. Uh, they felt very much like they could have been, uh, issues of their parent books, if if in as much as as uh, if they just wanted to to expand those worlds um, with other lead characters, and instead of spinning them out, that would have been fine too. Um, Nita Hall's is interesting because I um, I I don't I I must have completely missed this during the previews solicits. Um, I, I like I had no idea that it was. Uh, a Philadelphia uh, spinoff. I thought. I thought you. I. I know that when I posted the um, the press release, we had a bunch of uh, slackers comment on it. I thought. I thought you may have been one of the people who did. I don't I, think I, I was because okay. I know that I'm pretty sure Caleb last week it was his best thing he read this week. Okay. Or this week, and I. I so I was like, oh, so I actually read this digitally because I didn't order the issue. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Nita Halls is, is this book is called the Nita Halls Nightmare Blog. Essentially, Nita Halls is the ex girlfriend of the lead character in Philadelphia. Uh, now that character, um, for those that don't remember our previous chat about it, is a detective that is from Baltimore that leaves Baltimore to go to Philadelphia, where his father was a detective, and uh, and stays in Philadelphia for all of the hijinks that have ensued. Uh, Nita is uh, still in Baltimore, and um, and she is uh, effectively dealing with her own issues, which is to say that there are demons afoot, like legitimate demons. Uh, and in particular, uh, there's a demon in this issue. Uh, I, it, it's spelled differently, but I believe it's pronounced Corson. Um, and she has uh, taken it upon herself for reasons we don't quite know yet uh, to 
to deal with these demons. Um, she also has a uh, an apparition of her own that uh, she she communes with. I'm trying to be vague about it because it's part of the story, but but uh, I don't know if it's in her mind or if it's real or what have you. But uh, but she certainly has some um, measure of of she she can touch and speak to to the dead. It seems. Um, and I thought it was terrific. Uh, the, the in both of these cases, the writers continue from the prior, and the artists carry over, but only partially. I assume it's sort of like a baton handoff. So, Worth of Dera, I think, does the framing sequences in House of Slaughter, uh, and um, and uh, Jason Sean Alexander does uh, a few of the sequences in Nightmare Blog Number One, but they are not going to be the ongoing. Uh, uh, Artists on, on these books, as you can imagine, because they're going to stick with the parent books, which aren't going away. Um, House of Slaughter is a prequel of... Well, it's... Mm, I don't know if it, it, it is... Uh, it, in, in the... In the uh, Something's Killing the Children, uh, the lead character is named Erica Slaughter. And we learn, as the story goes, that she is part of a organization of monster hunters... And she's a bit of a pariah. She's a uh, she's a wild child. She doesn't like to follow the rules. She's a she's a bit of she's kind of an exile. And her mentor, her master, her like Jedi master, you know, like she's the Padawan, um, is the star of this book. And um, we meet him in 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 something's killing the children. Uh, in this, we are it's 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 both him dealing with stuff in the present, but it's mainly a prequel from 15 years before where we learn about him joining the house of slaughter and, uh, and how he came to be and, and all that. It's basically just a way I think to expand this idea of this organization. Um, Cause there's not a ton of room in the, uh, in the, in the first book to, uh, to really delve that deep into it because it's so focused on Erica. Um, yeah. I thought they were both great, man. I mean, uh, I will say it's, it's pretty easy litmus test here for people. If you, if you liked Philadelphia, you're going to love Nita Halls. If you liked something is killing children, you're going to love House of Slaughter. I don't see any drop off in quality. Um, the fact that they're spinoffs, I don't think is. Uh, it's not like you're getting a watered down idea. I think they both are logical and well executed first issues, and I'm I'm definitely coming back for more. Nice. Ex- excellent. Yeah. People love these books. Yeah, I love them. I think they're great. I, I think they're both. I think this is a really great time for horror-themed comics. I I think there's a ton of them out there, like I this of all different kinds. You know, I mean, yeah. But I I think it's a genre that's really thriving right now. Also, I think our attention is um, wandering from the big two. I mean, you know, we're really not finding a whole lot there to uh, clamor about. Let's just say. And I think, you right. know, uh, things that normally would have fallen by the wayside because we're focusing on, you know, the latest event, uh, now they bubble to the surface and they manage to connect, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, no, that's there's probably some truth to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to give Image its due. So, so sometimes Image, just like all the companies, has cycles where I'm feeling like, there's not a. There's always going to be good stuff at Image, but sometimes I'm not overwhelmed by the entire catalog. Uh, other times, it seems like they can do no wrong. I feel like they've been trending lately into into one of their up cycles. Where, as I'm looking through that part of previews, I'm I'm pretty much buying a good chunk of what they're putting out and, and excited by it. 
So no, it's truth. Waxes what about and you? wanes, I, I, right? I see a, I, do I see a Tony Sandoval book on your list, Vince? Yeah, well, I just I was playing catch up last week, yeah. and uh, I wanted to get that read, and I read the uh, Tony Sandoval A Thousand Storms. Yes, which nice. which you talked about previously, yes. so I'm not going to get too much into it. Say, mm-hmm. but uh, suffice to say, I think that it's his finest work to date. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I liked it um, substantially more than Water Snakes. Hmm. No, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Just sort of like from a narrative perspective. Yeah, and it, it is linked to water snakes. Um, is it okay? Uh, tenuously, there's a, a sequence where the main character in A Thousand Storms is in this dream realm. Uh, now, I don't know if you can even call that it that. She's in. She has access to a, another dimension. Yeah, and, I take it like she's like Ilyana Rasputin. She she. You know, it's more of like the underworld. Yeah, Dad may be far more than he seems. Let's just yeah. say that. And uh, she she goes through this portal, and and when she does, there's a young uh, brunette off to the side, and that is one of the girls from Water Snakes. It's not uh-huh. it's not explicit, but it's it's a nice little. I think a nice little nod that Sandoval inserted in there. He's like, yeah, well, if you keep current on my stuff, if you've read my stuff, this will make sense to you. If not, it just adds to the story. It looks like another another young lady wandering through through this dream realm, as confused as the, the main character of A Thousand Storms. But uh, one of the things I like about Sandoval is he'll kill kids. He doesn't give a shit. He will kill oh, off kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, that could be uh, the kiss of death, at least in terms of popularity, like if you have kids, maybe not with David, but if you, you know, if you have children dying, drowning, probably deserve it. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I think it was safe to say that the the child that met its his demise in A Thousand Storms maybe deserved it because he was a okay, dick. Yeah, yeah he that. was a bit of a dick. Um, yeah, stepped out on the main character uh, without giving her a say, so he drowned. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> But, no, I, I loved it. And uh, I mean, I think uh, I, I love the fact that Sandoval mixed up the art styles in it, too. There's there's some passages that are just straight watercolor. And then there's some that are very, um, you know, pen and ink uh, techniques with his mm-hmm. patented. I, I think it's great. It, the the uh, the big bad is wonderful. The design. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. I, I loved it. I loved it. I think. um if I'm not mistaken, Scott Edder has his work. Uh, he's his rep, and uh, I always think that like one of these times I'm gonna we're gonna be at a con and Edder's gonna have a table. And I'm gonna see some Sandoval work, and I'm gonna grab one. Oh man, I I mean to own a Tony Sandoval would be nice. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Hunter, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. Okay, I just pulled it out of you. I'm glad you did. List. I'm glad you did. Um, I've been in a pre-code uh, horror kick lately. Uh, well, lately. to say lately, yeah, but, but more so than than usual. And I pulled nineteen sixty four. I <laughs> I pulled a couple books off the shelf, and and both of them were published by PS Art Books. Uh, I love what they do, but uh, there's not a whole lot of work going on here. Uh, much like uh, on the Slack uh, the other day, I, I was tooling around Amazon and I found a, an omnibus of the Erie publications, one of the series from Erie publications. 
And I, I was wondering, like, how could this legit, uh, legally, uh, be done? And there's a lot of public domain uh, comics out there. And that's the PS art book stock and trade. They'll scoop all these existing scans of public domain comics and they publish them in a nice hardcover format, all cleaned up and sparkly and where, when possible. And, and they sell them for 50 bucks. It's a good gig if you can get it. But, uh, so in, in that vein, both of the stories I'm going to talk about, I have made available for you to read in their entirety on our website. 11o'clockcomics.com. Go to the episode thread for this here thing. And we, a gallery will pop up and you can read each and every page of the, the stories that I'm talking about. Um, one I'm going to go into detail. One I'm just going to talk about the art. And you'll, you'll know why when, when I do it. But I'm not going to do it concurrently because that's a dick move. Uh, the first one I want to talk about, it comes from... <laughs> Dap goes, mm, like that's uncharacteristic of you. Uh, the, the first one comes from a book called Precode Classics, Strange Terrors, Volume 1. And uh, again, published by PS Art Books, this contains Strange Terrors, Issues 1 to 5, published from June 1952 to December 1952. Now, this book has a lot of heavy hitters. It features work by Don Perlin, Ralph Mayo, Bob Frigioni, George Tusca, and others. But the guy that steals the show is, uh, at the time, an up-and-coming artist by the name of Joe Kubert. He has three stories in this book, and he absolutely blows all the other artists away. His stories are just magnificent. Um, I'm going to focus on one from uh, Strange Terrors number three. It's called The Picture of Hell. You've, if you're a, a fan of, of pre-code horror, you've probably read this. It, uh, it's a story of this mousy middle-aged clerk named Henry Cushing. Henry hates, absolutely despises two things in his life. His job and his overbearing wife, Belinda. Why? Why does he hate these things? Because they keep him from doing the thing he loves to do the most. Painting. He loves to while away his remaining days pushing paint around canvases. He loves to paint. Um, unfortunately, his zaftic wife doesn't see any value in it. So one night after work, wouldn't you know it, it's payday. So Henry's got a little bit of money in his pocket. And he trudges home, walking the same path he's walked countless times before, and he notices a shop. He's never seen the shop before, right? Uh, how could this be? He walks this route all the time. But anyway, he hopes that maybe this shop will have some inexpensive paint, because Henry doesn't make a whole lot of money. Uh, the dude uh, on his meager salary is always looking for bargains, so he's browsing in the shop, and he becomes transfixed on a painting, very special painting, one that features a leering devil in the center, surrounded by faces of souls in anguish, just screaming faces around this, this shit-eaten grin devil. 
uh, he, and Henry wants this painting. He loves it. He's like, whoa, this thing is beautiful. I got to own it. But on his salary, I don't know. Uh, Belinda would not be pleased, to say the least. So the shopkeeper tells Henry, oh, my brother, you are in luck because this painting, just for today, this very special day, this painting has been reduced in price. So uh, Henry musters some uncharacteristic gumption and he buys the painting right gets home as expected his wife hates it <laughs> she wants nothing to do with this thing uh not only does it feature a devil it's, it's a very macabre painting but uh foremost henry spent most of his paycheck on the damn thing so she wants it out of her home right now the problem is when henry goes back to the shop to return it the shop is gone henry can't find it he's walking around where the hell it was right here but it's not there anymore and he gets home and belinda is fucking pissed so she grabs one of his paintings and she tells him you know if that thing stays another painting has to go and she takes a knife and she hacks at one of his paintings she shreds yeah, it bitch. oh she is a bitch and she shreds it right and she leaves the apartment in a huff her actions unleash the lion in henry he is pissed off he'll show her man he'll hang it right where she can always see it it'll be a constant reminder of what he did he got her right so he he begins to hammer the nail into the wall and he hits his thumb with the hammer hard enough to draw blood and the blood falls on the canvas smack dab on the face of the grinning devil so henry's in pain he's trying to oh he's dealing with his thumb and what's that oh there's a knock on the door who the hell can that be right goes through the door opens it it's the devil from the painting belial in all of his splendor and just like the shopkeeper, he offers Henry a very special deal, today only. I will grant you 15 years of fame as a painter in exchange for your portrait, just like the ones surrounding the face in the painting. Uh, Belinda comes home, and Henry introduces her to Belial. He's like, well, this is Belial. He's, you know, he just came over. We're having a little talk. And she's like, the fuck is wrong with you? There's nobody here. You're talking to yourself all she sees is her scrawny husband just having a conversation with himself so she launches into another verbal assault on henry and the, the guy just can't take it anymore he agrees to belial's demand and just then belinda screams and drops dead of a heart attack clump on the floor dead well, wouldn't you know it belinda had a life insurance policy which allows Henry the opportunity to pursue his dream of painting. He becomes very famous, very quickly. But the clock is ticking away, remember, 15 years, right? So towards the end of the 15-year stretch, Henry, should have done this a long time ago, he begins to research all the faces surrounding Belial in the painting. And he finds that all of them were artists. And all of them became famous for 15 years only to mysteriously disappear under very strange circumstances. So Henry's a nervous wreck. Oh, yeah. Gotta take my, my mind off this thing. The, the clock is ticking. It's getting towards the end. I'm just gonna paint, right? 
and he he tries to to he squeezes out some paint. And he gets the palette knife. And he he's trying to to spread the the paint around on the palette. Ah! He cuts his hand, and he bleeds. And the paint, what do you know, drips on the painting of Belial. And his old buddy shows up again, and he taunts him. He's like, "You have two days, Henry. Two days, and I'll be seeing you." All right. So two days later, as promised. Belial shows up, and Henry's frantic. He tries to burn the painting, tries to throw it into the fire to welsh out on the deal, but he, Henry being Henry, he fails miserably, right? And Belial seems to grow immense, and his claws are outstretched, his huge shadow just consumes the panel, and Henry's like, ah, he's this little mousy guy, Henry screams, and the place burns to the ground, like the silver coin. Uh, the firefighters are kind of amazed as they're walking around surveying the damage. They're kicking burnt timbers and things are still smoking and they're just like, wow, this was a conflagration, man. Nothing could have survived this, but something did survive. The painting. One that now bears an additional face. A face of a screaming Henry Cushing. Uh Right? And the oddest thing, wouldn't you know, one of the firefighters who happens to dabble in painting he's like ah that's kind of cool i'm gonna take that painting home what's the worst thing that could happen (laughs) this is a great story man and it's just kubert's art is unbelievable like in it's it's a it's very different from his trademark sergeant rock tarzan style with very expressive very uh, immediate brush strokes this is more uh controlled Kubert, but you can still see joe in it right henry's amazing the skinny little guy the facial expressions on henry are to die for like when he realizes his soul is done he screams and you just you feel it man Kubert, it's it's another notch on Kubert's bedpost like this is why i'm a freaking legend and i was since the 50s man so respect uh i i love this story and um it, it's just amazing. And I hope you feel so, too, because go to our website and you can read it yourself. You can read it for free. I'm going to be my version of PSR books. If they can do it, I'll do it, right? It's public domain. Anybody can, can use it. Our, yeah. our, our buddy Craig Yo does all the time. Damn Skippy. I think that's really smart. It's a very smart business model to just take existing scans uh, because the people that love these golden age horror books they love them and they want to present them in as pristine form as possible so they scour the globe for good copies good you know the remaining copies of these things and they scan them up very nicely and here comes craig yo and ps art books and they're like oh i i could do something with this and they present them in a really nice resilient format I mean, I love hardcovers. If I can go to my bookshelf, pull off a hardcover of pre-code horror book, uh, stories, I'm a pig in shit. And it's it's one of the things I love most about comics is is the golden age of horror. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll come back later and tell you about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Dap, what you got? I don't. I, I don't have anything horror. You don't have to. Just tell us what you love. <sighs> what I love. Um, 
hell. Um, actually, well, no, I can't because you didn't. You didn't read it. The only thing I that, that was close to horror was um, the fifth issue of Vinyl, which is not the last issue of the miniseries. It's the penultimate issue. There's one more issue to go, and it's going to be a fucking banger. Uh, the 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 fifth issue. Um, Kind of made me feel good, which is weird to say, considering the subject matter of this book. Um, but again, I don't want to uh, get too deep into it. Um, the second, I, I, I read two second issues. Um, the Death of Doctor Strange, with which which is for for that uh, event. Uh, if if you want to call it that, where um, Doctor Strange is dead, but uh, there's someone investigating um, the murder, and while all that's happening, the there are uh, there's a pretty badass double page spread um, with these uh, three sisters. Um, if I, I mean, I just it, it's so now that Doctor Strange is dead and there's no um, there's no one protecting uh, the planet. Um, the three mothers kind of um, are the precursor to shit going on, popping off around the world. Um, and the uh, the three mothers are three. One of them kind of looks like um, she's a strapping woman with um, with a helmet uh, covering her eyes with uh, looking like goat horns that keeping it. Um, with Greta there, it, it's it's um, and a, a a floating, glowing crown over her head. There's another creature that looks like um, the, the head is looks like something Michelangelo would uh, would have carved, but the body almost looks like one million ants from Rick and Morty. It, it's it's this mass of 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 I don't know what. Um, and then the, the, the third mother is, is almost looks like a, um, an Asian goddess more or less, but it, so, so, so they show up, they, they start kicking the Avengers ass. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're doing a damn good job of it as well. Um, and when, um, while they're trying, while, while the bulk of the issue is just, is this fight happening? And, um, and when they, um, when they decide to cease the fight, uh, they, they, they say they're going to return for Clea, um, and at the same time return for you all. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a bonkers issue. It's, it's setting up where, uh, you know, the, the rest of the rest of this event that is going to the, the next issue is a um, is an Avengers one shot. And then 
a, a Strange Academy one shot, then we go back to, to the Death of Doctor Strange miniseries. But um, I mean, you, you've you've got these mystical beings. Uh, Umar comes manifests a portion of her kingdom in Antarctica. Uh, Tibero starts setting up shop in the jungles of Peru. Um, there's just you know, with Doctor Strange dead, bad things are going to happen uh, to the planet. The other second issue, which was a lot of fun, um, was Deathstroke Inc. Number two, which came out this week, and uh, that's that's still brought to you by uh, Joshua Williamson and uh, and Howard Porter. And aside from double page spreads out the ass in this issue, uh, there's also a fight with Cyborg Superman. So that was neat to see, especially Howard Porter's version of. Uh, of cyborg Superman, but um, you know, Deathstroke in space, Black Canary in space. She's upset because you can't scream. Uh, although that's not what the poster always said. Well, actually, no, it said he, no one could hear you scream. But um, this is true, right? So uh, she just didn't want to give it her all. But the whole fight taking place in space—it's—it's it's insane. The weird is is involved because cyborg Superman. Um, pulls the weird into his situation and, and uh, basically when there's, there's a whole section where um, there's a big bada boom that happens and there's a bunch of little panels surrounding the boom. And, and uh, it looks like there's a, um, there's like a panel taken from, from checkmate from the recent uh, from the recent Superman son of Kal-El where Flash was talking to uh, to Superman um, there's Mongol and next to Mongol aside from Desaad there's this dude that shows up that almost kind of looks like Colonel Weird with with a helmet which just kind of threw me for a loop um, and someone who kind of the emblem on his the symbol on his tunic kind of reminds me of um Captain Comet, but it isn't. It just I, I I thought of him, and I thought when that was the last time we saw Captain Comet. It's 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 been a good minute. Um, but then the issue ends with another cliffhanger, and um, setting us up for the third issue where Trust is sending Deathstroke and Black Canary to um, bring Cheetah in for uh, to. Um, answer for her crimes back when she was in the uh the legion of doom so it was just i mean it's it, it's it's colorful it's it's insane it's action-packed it's it's really i think i enjoyed the second issue more than i enjoyed the first and i dug the first as far as the setup goes but um you know trust uh can't doesn't seem to be i don't think we can trust trust uh, no pun intended there but there's there's um i think eventually what's going to happen is uh slade and and dinah aren't going to appreciate what trust is having them do and um might things might come to a head sooner rather than later but but it was a um 
it was a fun issue. I I, I dug those two a lot. It it, it definitely helped um, make my mood better after the past couple of days. Good thing, right? What you said up there, I, buddy? I, I said it's a good thing. I think so. I hate space. <laughs> that's what Deathstroke says. That is exactly what he said, and that's th- this is. I mean, it's what I am appreciating the um, just the. I mean, there's that big ass balloon. Well, it's it's a shout, but yeah, it's it's in you know all caps, all large, all colorful. He's saying, I hate space. They, they, you know, similar to what they did in the first issue with the introduction of the characters with, with the big, um, louder than life background logos of announcing the characters. Uh, they, they, um, I, I don't know if it's Porter. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's Steve Wands. I don't know if it's Williamson, but they're, they're having a lot of fun messing around with the, uh, what makes comics comics and and i'm you know after reading so many there have been deathstroke stories where he's he's serious and there aren't a lot of laughs and the stories are kind of straightforward um it's i'm not going to say refreshing but it's it's different seeing deathstroke in a setting like this and uh i'm enjoying the ride for now That's all you can ask for, really. I think so. Yep. What else do we have? Yeah, what you got, Jason? So sometimes it's good to remind yourself that, uh, (laughs) you know, we were in our our formative time as a comic fan. We didn't give much of a fuck about jumping on points or continuity. Like, we were in the store... If we saw a cover that looked dope or we saw a creator on a new book, we're like, oh, I'm going to get this. See what's doing. And like you more than often would not would be jumping in mid story. Right. Like, and you just be like, oh, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like a couple issues. I'll figure it out. It'll all come together. And uh, it's nice every now and then to do that. So I did that um, with uh, a DC book, Task Force Z, number one. Wow. Yeah, written by uh, Eddie, uh, written by Matt Matt Rosenberg, who we've mentioned a lot lately, it seems, uh, with art by Eddie Barrow. So I, I that was the thing. I thought, okay, well, I I, I dig the writer and the in the artist, and um, I dig team books. And this I thought was um, just the latest take on the Suicide Squad. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, and it is, in a sense, the Suicide Squad, but it is a little different. Uh, and this is where it gets to my point about uh, j- jumping in, because clearly a lot happened that if you were uh, like a hardcore reading a lot of DC wonk, this would all be very clear for you. For me, it wasn't, which is to say that uh, the premise of this issue is um, if you're at all familiar with Suicide Squad, familiar ground, there is a leader... Uh, of a team of villains who are working for the government. It, what's different here is the leader is the Red Hood, Jason Todd, uh, rather than Rick Flagg or someone else. Uh, and the other the other thing that's different is the villains aren't prisoners who are 
taking on these jobs because either they have no choice or they're trying to get their sentences reduced. They are dead. They are zombies, undead, undead villains. And uh, I didn't know that going in. Um, Z, I guess, for, is a play on Task Force X, the Task Force Zombie is the, is the kind of the point of the Z. Um, I guess there was a thing in the Batman books where called A-Day, where uh, a, an attack on Arkham Asylum killed um, hundreds of, of Batman villains. I, this is apparently all a thing that happened. I wasn't unaware of any of it. I guess it happened during Tynan's run on Batman, I'm assuming. Um, which is all fine. Like it was, it, I didn't need to have read it. It was after a page or two. I'm like, okay, I get it. Uh, there's a new status quo. A lot of these characters were killed. Um, and Jason Todd is not dead, to be clear. Uh, but there is a part where he is uh, the obligatory Jason Todd uh, without his shirt on page because uh but but in this case he's horribly scarred and disfigured on his back and again i'm assuming this is something that we would if you're a little more steeped in what's going on with dc would would know why he's scarred and disfigured i i am not clear on that um but he has uh he has been tasked with being the leader of this group of of uh of zombie villains as they try and uh handle missions that uh you know that would otherwise be difficult to handle um, now you ask yourself, like, how are they zombies? Well, there is a thing called the Lazarus pill, which I am guessing somehow the government has found a way to extract the magics of the Lazarus pits and created a ability to uh, bring back people from the dead. But they have to keep taking the pill and uh, and they are not of right mind. They are, um, you know, they're far more bestial and uh, and rudimentary in their thinking. And so. Jason Todd's kind of the, uh, the you know the 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 ringleader of the circus, uh, so to speak, and reluctantly so. Um, the villains in question are Bane, Man Bat, the Arkham Knight, Sundowner, Mister Bloom, and then of course uh, Jason is the Red Hood. Um, and uh, they fight cra- uh, they fight Crazy Quilt to open this to open the book. So this is a wild, crazy out there book. Love the idea of the C-list uh, team book, so I'm 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 there for that. But I have to say, like like I said, I I was not aware that this was a book about the undead. Uh, I'm not sure about that conceit. I I like I guess one of the cool things about the Suicide Squad is that there was, especially when it was first coming out, there was this idea that these characters could die in in battle, which was something you didn't normally see in a super uh, in a in a Capes and Cows book. Uh, I don't really know that there's as much of a stake here if if they're already dead and they're just like you know they just die if or, or get destroyed. So I don't I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Like it feels like the stakes are lower. Um, but I thought it was a, a good hook. I I you know I, I had no problem with the way they characterized Jason Todd. There's some uh, new characters or at least new to me that um, are involved in the program as well. That uh, I'm sure will uh, their their arcs will be fleshed out and uh, yeah I thought it was enjoyable I you know again I can't tell you it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread in terms of superhero comics but um, but uh, it definitely scratched an itch for a DC team team book read for me and uh, I, you know I'll probably give it a few more issues and see how it goes and then and then I'll pick a direction um, but I certainly like the issue, first issue enough to uh, to to give the next uh, one or two a try yeah it looks really good. Whitey Barrows is no joke, you know. He's a he's a steady hand. Yeah. Um, it you know as as Dap knows, Eddie did a nice run on on Deathstroke, and he's 
he's definitely probably drawn just about every DC character that there is at some point in some book. So uh, yeah, he's a steady hand for sure. Yeah, I know this book's like saltpeter to death because it's uh it's got zombies and Jason Todd. Yeah. So yeah, um, and, you know, uh, I, I have no, I, I don't particularly love Jason Todd. I, I don't have any disdain for him either. He's he's just a character to me. Um, like I've had, no, I have no problem when he's in a book, but it's not like I seek him out either. So it's you know it's fine. Yeah, I mean Ed, Eddie was great on the uh, the the hell was the um the recent book Vince the 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 World War Two heroes the um the human bomb and what the hell was that book? Oh, it wasn't Earth too, but it was it was um. That's right. not, yeah, that's not recent, was no, it? No, it's not recent, but it was, I mean... Uh, it, it, department it, something, or... or no, um, it was, it, it, but he, he, he had a fantastic run on, on Detective um, during the Rebirth era, and the, um, uh, and, and I've got a couple pages from his Superman run. Um, yeah, I, I like, and he, he's, he's a legit nice dude, too, but I mean, he doesn't, uh, I, I... I really, really like his work. It, it's it's tempting. I might, I might see what the first issue is about. Maybe it's, it's pretty. <laughs> I just wish yeah, that I know. It's pretty, yeah. that DC would find some kind of a status quo for Man Bat and stick with it. Yeah, they just really don't seem to know to, what to do with this character. Like he's a villain. He's a, he's a horrible. Um, uh, innocent, plagued by the, the you know the man bat because it's, it's a f- settle on something and run with it for at least like five to ten years. It, it, he just flops around all over the place. Like I, I don't know, and I love the character, and that's because of Michael Golden. But uh, it just seems like they're they're just scratching their heads what to do with man bat. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Freedom fighters. Oh yeah 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 right right exactly. Okay, as promised, this is the second PSR book. This is called Precode Classics Worlds of Fear, Volume 1. It contains uh, Worlds Beyond, number one, and then they decided to rename it Worlds of Fear, and it contains Worlds of Fear 2 to 5, or 2 to 4. No, 2 to 5. And uh, you got November 1951 to June 1953. And the cover was also drawn by the artist of the story I want to highlight. It's called The Return of the Dead Lover. And the writer's unknown, of course. But the art was done by Shelley Moldoff. And that's a name that we don't throw around too often. And shame on us, because Shelley was great, man. He was uh, an amazing talent, uh, specifically for horror. I think he had a really good grasp on what, how to affect the reader in, in, with the genre. And it, briefly, The Dead Lover Returns is about a man named Ted Femer. That's his name. I didn't make it up. His name's Ted Femer. And he sees a woman on a ferry, and he instantly falls in love with her. Oh, my God, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I need to get to this woman. But he's too slow. He misses the ferry. So he gets a little little boat, and he ends up dying. He, he dies 
and he he goes to the afterlife and he he pleads with the council of the dead there apparently there is a council of hooded skeletons who preside over the dead and sometimes in this instance they grant them wishes so ted's like oh i gotta find this girl please just grant me this wish send me back I'll do anything. I can't let this go. You got to send me back. And he manages to to warm the hearts of the Council of the Dead. I don't know how, but he does. And so they send him back. But here's the catch: the woman that he's trying to find can see him as he was before he died. Everybody else sees him as a rotted, shambling, disgusting corpse pieces falling off he's got one eye empty sockets his hair's falling out rib cage exposed he's in tatters he's disgusting right so he goes around trying to find this woman and unfortunately for some ladies in this uh short uh they aren't the ones so they see him as this this this, this teeth falling out disgusting zombie and they scream and he's going around and he uh, there's a neat little trick that they employ in this strip where they use the cyan plate like they overlay the zombie version of ted over his pre-death version and the pre-death version is full color but the zombie version is just in cyan so it's a neat little trick using the cyan plate that they they pulled it off really neat um so you could see two versions of ted at most times in this strip so he's going around and he sees the girl and she's with a guy, though. He's like, what? And the, the, the guy, he, he's about to propose to her. And he says, please, I love you. I wish you would marry me. And Ted's outside the window of the house. A zombie falling apart, skin hanging off, looking in the window. And he's like, this is screwed up. I, I got to get in there. And they're in an embrace. It's the best panel in the strip. It's amazing. You can see it if you go to our website. Ted's outside. The The girl and, and the guy are, are, they're in an embrace. And he's clutching, Ted is outside, clutching his face. And his eyeball is cradled between his two fingers like the eye is falling out of the eye socket and it's cradled in the in the in the v of two fingers it's amazing it's an amazing panel totally disturbing once you see it you're just it, it'll it'll brand your brain right so ted goes what am i gonna do um he tries to talk to the woman's man and he follows him, ends up hooking himself onto the guy's car, and he he's crawling on the top of the car, and he peeks over into the windshield, and the guy gets like freaking scared out of his mind, ends up going off the road and banging himself up pretty bad, and he lands in the hospital. Um, meanwhile, that gives Ted all the opportunity to go back to the woman. Long story short, she sees him as the guy that she saw on the dock and fell in love with, and she doesn't see him as a zombie. And they have this little romance, and, and it's all great. But the Council of the Dead told him something before they let him go back to the earth, and it was that if she decides, if she falls in love with you, the only way she's going to get back into the realm to be with you is, is if she's like you. So she's going to change a little bit. 
Just, just be aware. This shit's not, it's not going to be good. He said, oh, yeah, 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 okay. So as the woman falls back in love with him, she begins to decay. Lovely. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> she's got bags on her eyes, her skin's starting to sag, and, and she's dying because that's the only way she could follow him into the realm of the dead is if she's dead. And, and Ted's like, wait a minute, I love this girl. I can't do this to her. This is not right. And, and he renounces everything and tells her, look, I was playing you for a fool. I'm not the guy you thought I was. I, I'm just trying to get in your pants. And I'm a jerk. Go. Your, your boyfriend's in the hospital. Go to him. And she's like, you're a scumbag. I, I could never fall in love with you. And the spell's broken. And she starts to go back to her regular youthful vigor. But, and then she sees him as the zombie he is and she loses it man and there's a big panel big horizontal panel of um her screaming and him like reaching in and he's got like his eyes are totally gone at this point his his nose is uh dissolved his teeth are all it's disgusting but kudos to shelly moldoff man this artwork is amazing the um the woman is gorgeous. Like he could, uh, I've read a, a, a ton of, of good girl art lists, like the guys that draw the best women and the typical names around there, Dave Stevens and all that. Shelley Moldoff could be somewhere on that list, not near the top, I'll grant you, but he should be on that list. His, his women are gorgeous, but it even makes the story even more disturbing once she starts to fall apart. And I just had a ball with this. Return of the Dead Lover. There's a splash page. That if you're a horror film fan like me, uh, especially a George Romero fan, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Ted, he's surrounded by the Council of the Dead. And he's 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 uh, despondent because he's dead and he can't get back to the woman. And he's got his hands next to his face and his hair's all ratty. He looks just like um, Scott Raininger from Romero's Dawn of the Dead. When Scott was in the bed and he turns into a zombie and he... he uh, um, starts to come out of the bed. He looks exactly like Scott Reininger from Dawn of the Dead. It's amazing. Just read it, and you can do it for free. Go to our website. It's there. Would you say that Dawn of the Dead is uh, your favorite zombie movie? Uh, no. What is? Children shouldn't play with dead things. Okay. I have a, a, tr a trio. Children shouldn't play with dead things, Night of the Living Dead, and then Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Yep. You got to give it to Knight. Like, it's a classic movie. I know there are, it, it, even Romero fans struggle with it, like which one is better, Dawn or, or Knight, but I got to give it to Knight. It, the, the subtext in it with uh, uh, Dwayne being the, the first black leading man in a, in a, in a film it's, it, and the fact that he's callously killed by a, a white... Um, in a sense, lynch mob at the end. I mean, Romero was speaking more than just zombies in the movie. And I, kn I know that, that Dawn has the whole consumerism slant, but Knight has it over it because it's, it's actually about shit that means something. Mm -hmm. Whereas consumerism, whatever. Yeah, I get it. It's a problem and it could be abused. But we're talking about, you know, meaningful stuff in the fact that this black man was just blown away by a, a southern white lynch mob. Right. Yeah. They didn't think. They just killed him. But whatever. Yeah, it's a great movie. And this is a great story. So uh, 
Worlds Beyond, or not Worlds Beyond, Worlds of Fear. Great stuff. Thank you, Shelly. <laughs> yeah. Much love, Shelly. Yeah, he's great. You know who else is great? Who? Discount Comic Book Service. Ooh. How about that for a segue, yo? Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Get your books, get them fast, and deliver right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Write this down. You'll never hear them again. Vault Comics. We Ride Titans, number one, will cost you $1.99. Cult of Icarus, Carl Slominski and Gentleman Wright, $2.39. And Common Rider Classic Manga Collection Hardcover, I hope it's volume one, I hope there's more, from uh, Seven Seas will cost you a paltry $23.09. Air Travels. I'm doing my man, Simon Hanselman, a bit of a disservice by throwing Crisis Zone in the in your travels uh, because it, it needs a book of the month treatment. Um, there's one other... It doesn't qualify for OGN, which is great for the 11 o'clock Oscars because if it was an OGN, it would have been my OGN of the year. Uh but it is a collected edition because Hanselman serialized Crisis Zone on Instagram. And it was uh, begun at the start of the pandemic. So it's not a very pleasant read. All of the anxiety and the fear and the uncertainty that came with the early stages of the pandemic are in this book. Um... It, it, it's not an easy read either. It's 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 very big. It's a thick ass book, um, but all of the things you would expect from Simon Hanselman are in there. Um, rampant drug use. Uh, I don't want to say debauchery, but there are various forms of intercourse in the book. But all of that, notwithstanding. I think it's a it's a very important work because all of the shit we were all feeling during the pandemic is in this book. Like uh Mike, his his mother's elderly and she's obviously right leaning or very far right leaning because when the lockdown uh is initiated, all she wants to do is go to the waffle house. And she's like, this is this fucking uh, pandemic shit's garbage and I want to go to the waffle shop. And she's killed by COVID, but not directly because having going to the waffle house, she gets into a shootout. She's a gun. Mm -hmm. She's a gun toter. So she dies as a result of COVID. Had things not been locked down, she would have been able to go to the waffle house and therefore would not have died in a shootout. And Mike is just, he's, he's crestfallen. He's despondent. His mother has died. And he goes, this is the Simon Hanselman part of the deal. He comes into uh, Meg's apartment and he's like, uh, he's crying. He's like, I just want to fuck away my pain. And Werewolf Jones pulls down his pants and he's like, fill me with your pain, brother. So it's like you get real world stuff, but then Simon re rears his head and he's like, yeah, remember these characters? This is what they do. Right. Uh, there's a there's the whole toilet paper hoarding thing where Werewolf Jones grabs a bunch of 
packs of toilet paper, but he ends up shitting all over them in the bathroom because he his his bowels are all messed up and he so the toilet paper's ruined. But so it's the pandemic filtered through the lens of Simon Hanselman. And I thought it was amazing. It's there are some very legit heartbreaking moments in the book. And I don't want to go into them because like I said, it's it's a work of of such extreme merit, I think, that we, you know, if we do use it as a book of the month, we need to go all in. Because Simon gets somewhat criticized because of his purient interests, right, so to speak. But there's, he's he's a very important creator because with all that as a backdrop, he manages to pull emotion out of these characters that are not entirely likable, Right. Some of them, not at all likable, but he manages to, to eke out some honest-to-God, heartfelt stuff. And I, I just think it's a, it's a monumental piece of, of, of work. So if you have some time on your hands, uh, I would implore you to read Simon Hanselman's Crisis Zone. It is amazing. Amazing. I don't know if it would float with you two guys, but that remains to be seen. The um, I keep hovering. I mean, I've I've had it. I, I saw when Fanta, re, you know, re-released it. I was it, I was tempted, and um, I think it's on my Amazon wishes. So it's something I'm I'm I want to check out, especially anything really because uh, there's that book, COVID Chronicles. I keep meaning to check out as well. The, the things that are related to um our COVID year, I am kind of interested in because I do want to see what other, how others, how it affected other people, how, how they represent the year plus, how, how, how they're dealing with it, but whether it's, you know, based on real life or just whatever fantastical ideas they may have had from it, because it was something that hopefully we won't have to, deal with again once we're past it well that that's the whole thing um, it is a it's a covid keepsake but right. it's not a by the numbers assessment of what went on like all of the things we experienced in the real world are in there but they're wrapped in that greasy grimy hanselman kind of sure yeah and i got a bone to pick with fanographics mm. yeah because uh to date Every release of Simon Hanselman's has been a hardcover. Yeah, Crisis Zone is not. It's a trade paperback, mm-hmm. and I'm well, Simon has a, a chokehold on how his books are presented. So I'm sure it was his decision to release it in trade paperback. But I'm just like, what? Because everything else is hardcover. Like, why is this? Uh, in 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 reality, probably the most important book you've released. Why is this? <laughs> is, is a trade paperback? Is is. Is the hardcover stuff all? Is, is it original material in the hardcover, or was it? Is, is it reprinted from other places? That's a hard question to ask or to, to answer because a, the bulk of it is is new, but then he reprint a lot of his um, self published zine stuff. Okay, and so yes and no, right? But yeah, but Crisis Zone was on Instagram first, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he serialized so it online. If it was if it made, I mean, it's it's a silly thing, but I I do wonder if since it wasn't he he didn't nah I don't create it to be. I mean, he I'm sure he decided he was always designed to to print it, but I I nah he's the master. Look, uh, but wait a minute, um, seeds and stems is not hardcover, but it ha- uh, it has the um the medicine bottle slipcase, so it's 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 a it's an upscale format. Yeah, it's fancy. Yeah. So I don't. I'm like I said, he's got a, a a lockdown on how his work is presented. So this probably was his decision, but I I wish this book was in hardcover. Yeah. Whatever. I still own it and love it, and I don't care. But uh, it would be nice if it was in hardcover. But that's not a again. That's not gonna impact my assessment of the book other than the fact that i'm superficial and i would like it to be in a hardcover but other than mm-hmm. that i it, it's well, it's there it's that m word that we don't like to say a lot but it is it is it's a masterpiece <laughs> uh this is where i yeah i'm gonna talk on this just so that I can I, I I can get it off my list. It's been something that when I saw this in previews ages ago, I was curious. Um, and it turns out all three books um, were finally well. The third book came out and 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 concluded this story. This is um this was published by Cinebook um, or Ninth Cinebook, the ninth art publisher. It's uh, it's called HSE Human Stock Exchange. Uh, it's written by Xavier Dorison. Uh, Thomas Allart is your artist, and your colorists are um, well. Thomas colors it, colors the third book, um, but uh, French names I'm going to completely butcher. Um, Jean Jacques Jagnaud and uh, Celine Bessonieu also color. Um, the first book, but the um, like I said, the uh, the second two books are just just colored by by Thomas. Basically, the Human Stock Exchange, um, TLDR is be careful what you wish for. But the um, the the premise is that um. The, the the human stock exchange is um basically um it's it's men and women successful men and women who have agreed to have themselves listed on the stock exchange and um and basically you know the more successful you are the more people invest in you and 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 everybody everybody wins um Simon Sachs is the person who um, he's he's uh, he's basically the the figurehead. He's the um, chief raider for the HSE. Um, but our hero of the story is is Felix Fox, who is a um, he's a car salesman, basically, and he um, it's it's set in the not so quite near future. It's it's something that you know may not really sort of happen. Some of the technology, some of the science they use in the in, in the book, um, is based on uh, things that 
could happen or actually may, may exist now. The the characters in the story all kind of feel like real people. People take advantage of others. Um, Felix is Felix has a girlfriend. Her name is uh, Rachel. Rachel has a heart condition, uh, which plays into um, Felix getting listed. Felix really never had any intent. To, to ever be listed he thinks it's it's ridiculous you know he, he's he's kind of happy in his life um even though he lives in a really small apartment where your water is rationed you kind of like you just have to be careful you can't use too much hot water at one time it's 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 very there's this very class system in place um they're they're definitely different zones to the city and and uh with the haves and haves nots but um Felix does get listed and he's basically, he's, he's somebody who, you know, other people who were listed are, you know, celebrities, singers and doctors and, and, and very successful people. Cause it's, it's kind of like a no brainer. Felix is someone that, you know, listen, if, if you're a salesman, if, you know, if you don't hit your commission, if you don't hit your certain, you know, that's, that's not really, it's not beneficial to the people who are invested, um, in you, um, but he he pushes through and and along the way he kind of uh, loses sight of, of who he is and who his friends are and you know it's it's not necessarily a new story it's it's not uh, but the the take on it the way it 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 goes in different directions the way it uh, shows good and bad about the market and 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 how people um, can be manipulated or uh, when that carrot is dangling in front of them and what they're reaching for. Um, there are some things that are pretty fucked up and there are some things that, um, make sense. And, and, you know, you expect certain people to behave or react or, or, or meet their, um, the consequence to their actions. And, uh, the, the, the arts really, um, I really like the art a lot. There's, um, there's definitely, um, it, it's funny the the first couple of pages almost reminded me of of Frank Miller of, of older Frank Miller, but um, I don't know if this is something that is going to yeah the third book. I mean, I've I've we've read a lot of um, stories from from Euro comics or even Magnetic, so I don't necessarily think that this would be on my um, my import. Um, this would this would win in my import category that, that that we have for this year's Oklaskers, but um, especially since the story isn't new for twenty twenty one. But overall, I, I someone who doesn't play the market, I, I, I hate that term, but uh, I don't know how much of it may actually. How much of it makes sense? How much of it is just you know someone coming up with with an nifty idea and and who thinks they know what the market is like? If if if, if Jason were to read this, I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on just because to see where it plays and how it differs from the real world stock exchange. But um, that's kind of the background for the most part where we're, we're trying to get um, Felix's rise and maybe fall. Um, over to three books. It ends the way you kind of expect it to end, but overall it was, um, it was a hell of a journey. Um, the destination you might 
guess, but um, seeing all these people who were in Felix's life at the start and who enter his life as things go on and um, how uh, how Simon manipulates things. It, it, it was interesting reading. It wasn't... Um, it was almost kind of like it, it, it read quickly. I, I, it kind of breezed by. It's not, it, it's not a light reading book. There's, there's a lot of pages in each book. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about all, all, all three books total, uh, is probably 150 some odd pages. So it's, it's, it's not small and it, and, and it can be a bit, bit wordy at times, but, but I like the art. I dug the, uh, the concept if uh if you happen to find yourself with these three available um then by all means in your travels give it a shot so hse human stock exchange mm. any just it's like uh just like i want to do on my uh on my downtime is read about the stock read about market. exactly yeah just yeah. like you know when i come home i want to work on computers exactly you got yeah. it um well i saved this from in your travels because i don't want to give too many details away because i want people to enjoy it for themselves but i did want to shout it out so in your travels inferno number two came out today uh i'm sure f- for those of you who uh, are into it you already know that for those of you who uh, aren't into it you probably don't care but um you know, the clock is ticking down to Jonathan Hickman's involvement in the mutant verse. It is very much bittersweet. Uh, in the second issue, we pick up immediately after the end of the first issue where uh, Mystique's uh, has, has uh, her gambit, not, not the mutant gambit, but her gambit uh, has, uh, has started to play out quite successfully. She appears to have uh, gotten the one up on uh, Charles and, uh, and Magneto and Mora. And uh, we get a bit of a flashback here as uh, we see how she was making moves in recent weeks to lay the groundwork for this big um, ta-da moment that she pulled off. And um, we also get a sense of the stakes and why uh, Charles and Mora and Magneto have been trying to keep Destiny gone from the outset and uh you know it's um it's riveting and i uh i i get a sick feeling that that, that this amazing multi-year run of krakoa and all the mutants being united against the world and just kicking ass and taking names is about to unravel pretty nastily uh because of the uh, deceit that was uh, at the core of the formation of krakoa and that pretty much, uh, I don't know, like I said, it's give me palpitations, but in a good way. And I will also um, be, be remiss not to say that Stefano Caselli has leveled up big time. Mm. Uh, and he looks amazing in this. Um, I, I I have to say I didn't know he had it in him, honestly. I mean, I'm not. it's not that I dislike Stefano's work, but I, I, I didn't know that he could hold his own at the level of a Pepe La Raz in an event type of book. And I think he is doing a great job. It's, it's the best I've ever seen of him. So, um, yeah, so I'm all for it. And, and, uh, if all that wasn't enough, uh, they've made destiny hot. You know, she's always been an old woman, but, uh, seeing as how you can, when you, when you, they bring you back to life, they brought her back to life in a younger form. So she's hot now, which is great. From gilf to milf. 
I don't know that she was a gilf though. <laughs> uh, she needed a sandwich. She was like hella old. No, she's a straight up. Uh, she's a straight up uh, pilf psychic. I'd like to f. <laughs> That's nice. You've you've coined a new term. Yeah, right? pilf. Nice. Cool beans. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us for this, yet another book of the month and other stuff. We hope you will join us for the next one. Hell, come back for the next episode. We'll be here waiting for you. In the meantime, go to Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, all over the place there. If you would be so kind, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Whole bunch of fun going on over there. And in the meantime... Do our brother solid and say goodnight. I was crooning. Did you love it? I did love it. You did. Where's Sammy? Sammy, did you hear that? I did. Uh, yeah, David. I don't know where you're going with that. That was a mess. I'm not crooning. Totally messed up. Woo woo. <laughs> oh, man. David. Nice. Quick and yeah, quick and nice and slick. Hey, everybody, we love you so much. Come back next time. Say goodnight, boys. Goodnight, boys, and have a happy Halloween. Everyone stay safe. Yeah, be careful, yo. Check for them razor blades. That's it for that one. <laughs>